It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Building. Uh, we're excited about today's episode. My name is Laura Perino, and I'm with Debbie Kiefer today. And we are excited about what God is doing. You know, no matter where you are, it is a time of the year when the heat is being turned up in the temperature that we find outside of our doors. And we know that in many places, it's also peach season. And let's be real, in all of our lives, there are areas where some level of heat is being turned up no matter what our journey is, right? We're all going through things that have changed or adjusted, or we're experiencing a time where we find ourselves under some pressure, or we might say um, in a heated up time. So we're excited that, and grateful really, that God's word has an answer and a solution for everything. And so in these times where we find ourselves uh, feeling like the heat's been turned up, we can look to his word for uh, some instruction, for encouragement and for direction on the way to go. If you've been with us uh, back in June, we started uh, this podcast and we introduced ourselves to you all. In July, we went into the concept of transition and how God leads us through transition, some of the emotions that we go through in transition. And now we have come out of that transition into the life of David. Deb and I were sharing this morning with each other the fact that, honestly, all of our lives are a series of transition, but David, whose story really is a significant portion of the scripture, especially in the Old Testament, uh, we know that his life was one transition to the next in order to complete or fulfill the call that God had on his life. So we are going to be looking at another section of David's life today. But before we do that, I want to remind you that as it is peach season and we're talking about canning peaches, uh, Debbie cans peaches every year with her mom. And this month, the month of August, we are offering to you uh, Deb's mom's recipe for canning peaches. So if you would like that uh, free gift, you can send us an email at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com and we would love to send you a copy of Deb's uh, of Deb's recipe and see how you do with canning peaches. I personally am excited to try it for the very first time. So Debbie, there are some things that we want to remember as we're talking about David and peaches that I don't know, but you do because you've done this before. Um, would you just like to remind us some of the steps that go into canning peaches that you've done every year? Absolutely, Laura. And this is a reminder that if you are a canner of peaches, or especially if you are trying it for the first time, we would love for you to take a, a picture or two and post it on our page. Um, and maybe as you listen to the podcast and then you are in the process of canning peaches, if there's any uh, insight that God reveals to you about your own walk, we would love to hear from you. Um, but today, let me just review real quickly the couple steps that you can't skip. These are real important instructions. If you try to fast forward or short change or shortcuts, um, it will be a disaster. You'll have one sticky, messy kitchen and you will wasted <laughs> a lot of money. So number one, we talked last podcast about the selection. Certain peaches are specifically the best for canning. And so they're the ones you want to you want to choose for yourself. Today, we're going to be focusing on step two, which is I bring the peaches home and I actually set them aside to be um, in a season of waiting. You put them in a room that's very, very quiet, not a lot of traffic. You stick them on towels. No, no peaches touch each other and you just allow them to wait it out. 
what are you waiting for? You're waiting for them to soften and we'll be focusing a little bit more today about the turning process to avoid a bruising. Um, if peaches rub up against each other, those areas where they rub get bruised. And so it's a season of waiting for the poor peach. And then the next session, we're going to talk about you take those peaches now that are softened and sweeter and you bring them into the kitchen and you boil them for 30 minutes and then the skins easily are removed. That's also when you cut out the brown spots and you slice your peaches. And the next step, you take the peaches and you make this amazing syrup and you place them into jars and you put the lids on. And the next step you have to go through is you now back into the heat. You boil, <laughs> you boil the cans for a certain amount of time and then you pull them out and you put them on your counter. You let them cool and it's in that process that they seal down. And then you have an important step of cleaning them off so that you can put them away. And when it's snowing in January and... The peaches at the store look rather nasty. You pull out <laughs> your canned peaches and, and you're just really thankful that you went through the process in August. So that is in a nutshell, the process of canning peaches. Um, but today we're focusing on that season of waiting while you're learning, uh, you're learning how to wait. And in the meantime, God is softening your heart. Amen. You know, it's funny because even as you were referencing every step of the peaches journey, I kept thinking, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. I'm there now. Wow, I'm going to get there. So it's interesting how, how the correlation really um, rolls here. But when we're talking about a season of waiting, you know, along the peaches journey, it's easy for us to think, ouch, like, that must really hurt when, I mean, obviously, I know it doesn't hurt the peach, but if we're going to personify the peach, right? That must really hurt the boiling in the boiling process or in the cutting away process. We can think oh, of yeah. our own lives, right? When when God cuts things away from from our from our lives, how that hurts. But it's not only in those seasons where there's obvious heat being turned up that we feel um, that we feel the heat, really, if that makes sense. Because there's a direct correlation in science between pressure and heat and we're talking about waiting today and waiting seems like it might be a time where there's not a lot of pressure or we might look at waiting as something that's just still and there's not a lot of activity in it but the reality is that quite often it's in those times of waiting where the pressure gets turned up the most and i think that there are so many times in our lives where the internal pressure inside of us starts to boil and that turns the heat up. Laura, I bought this uh, pressure cooker this past year purely to make fabulous hard-boiled eggs. But I remember <laughs> when I turned it on for the first time and I pushed the egg button and I sat there, I wasn't sure what to expect, but it seemed like nothing was happening. Mm. And a couple minutes goes by and quote, nothing is happening. Mm. And all of a sudden I started to hear things percolating on the inside. And so the waiting, the beginning part of waiting isn't so bad. Mm. it's as time goes by the pressure begins to mount the longer Absolutely. you wait so all of a sudden every steam is flying out of this machine and it's because the waiting has just really intensified and you're right inside the heat is increasing so much that it's hard boiling these eggs but i didn't know what was happening i, I thought this isn't so bad yeah, absolutely. This is, this is pretty easy. This is not so bad. And I thought nothing's really happening. This is pretty painless. Right. I don't know what all the instructions are about watch out for the valve. And I think <laughs> in our lives, we start waiting and we go, well, this isn't so bad. 
That's right. But That's boy, right. the steam goes flying when you're waiting longer and longer. That's right. And if we're looking at David's life, you know, we referenced in the last episode, David was anointed as king and it took 15 years before he was actually king over just Judah. And then it was another seven years after that. So what are we saying? Over 20 years before David actually saw the fulfillment of what God had promised him or God had anointed him for all that time ago. With what you just said, and I think in, in all of our lives and all of our situations, when God says you're going to wait... Like something is coming, but there's going to be a wait or there's a process in there. Yeah, the first couple of months, we're fine with it. But it is when things get continue to roll that we start to get a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe we start to take our eyes off of the God who made the promise and put them too much on the promise itself. And we can get a little bit, uh, we can get a little bit twisted around in our perspective as well. And if you're a, if you err on the control side, you know, that's more your personality. I'm structured, I'm control, and I'm raising my hand. Um, I don't mind waiting if you tell me it's 10 minutes or an hour and a half. Like, help manage my expectations. Exactly. And I'll be fine waiting if just exactly. manage my expectations. But when they say, just wait, and then I'm expecting a, a follow-up description of time, and God goes, I am not giving that to you. Exactly. That immediately I begin to feel my pressure go up. Exactly. That's interesting. And it's also not just the way we feel now. And it's it goes back to David's story too, because God didn't give David a timeline, right? right. God didn't say, he didn't give anything to set David's expectation as to when this promise would be fulfilled. And he doesn't typically do that with us either. In addition to the fact that David didn't have a timeline from God, uh, he didn't have, there was no precedent that had been set as far as the, the people of Israel uh, bringing on a new king. David was only going to be the second king of Israel. And if we look at how Saul came, became king, right, he was anointed for king and boom, he was king. David's story was very different. And I think that's interesting too, because as God calls each of us, anoints each of us for our royal position, we can't put expectations on our story that our story is going to go like anybody else's story. David certainly did not go like Saul, right? And Solomon's didn't go like David. But David had to release the expectations or any expectations that he would put on the way God would fulfill his promise in order to walk through this time of waiting successfully. I think that is, I think that is, important and we've titled this episode surrender the weight right it's right. really surrendering the expectations that we would put on the weight surrendering the weight saying god whatever the weight looks like however long it is man we don't want to rush it and david lived out a life of 22 years waiting to get to the place where he was to go, but relinquishing and releasing all of his own expectations in order to live in what God had called him to do. You know, God had, had promised David something very specific. He knew this end goal was to be king. It wasn't like, I'm just going to advance you up through royalty. Like, you will be the next king. And so you have that it's not a big carrot in front of you, but it's like the prize that you're shooting for. And God has promised that you're going to get there. If you're a personality in particular that wants to know the how and the when and the way I'm going to get there, um, and, and what can I do, God, to help you get me there? You know, there's a, this control piece that gets in. There's a manipulation 
that you might start working the, the environment to try to accomplish what you say God has rightfully told me is mine. And this releasing expectations, I think there's four expectations that we need to let go of. And, and what I'm going to ask you to do first is, Laura, if you took your hands and just made a grip, like you're mm-hmm. gripping for dear life um, on something, you're not going to let it go. Nobody's going to yank it from you. There's four things that you're gripping tightly to. The first one is, God, this is how you've worked in my life in the past. Mm. And so I'm familiar with that. I've got this figured out. And so I need to let go of an expectation that you're going to repeat history for me. Yep. The other thing that I'm gripping, you know, for dear life is that I've watched my peers where they have stepped into their calling, their destiny, and that's this is how you did it for them. You'll do it for me. Yep. Same way. And I need to let go of that one. The other thing I'm gripping is that other people have expressed their opinions about how God is going to move in my life. And this, this is challenging because someone might get an impression or a kind thought or they're trying to encourage you, but they're actually trying to give a word of this is how God will work in your life. And really, only the only one that can definitively say that is God. Amen. I mean, people can give you uh, what would be a prophetic word, but unless God himself is doing it, you still need to just judge things. You need to be yep. careful what you hold on to. And then... In Proverbs, it says, don't lean on your known understanding. <laughs> a lot of times we think we've got it figured out. This would make most sense if God works this way. So all these things you're gripping for dear life. I don't know about you, but the lo- I've been gripping my hands the whole time I'm speaking. <laughs> and I can feel my blood pressure going up. Yes. And, and so what happens is when we are holding on to our expectations, not being willing to yield them to God and say, God, you be Lord. Hmm. You be in control. We find ourselves overall, we have no peace. Yep. And when we have no peace, we have no joy. And we have no peace and joy. We bite the heads off of people that block (laughs) that are blocking our way. Yes, we do. It's like a it's it's really tough. And what God is saying is get your hands off. Yes, yes, yes. Let your hands release. It makes us sweeter. Absolutely. Softer when we're not gripping the life out of something. Absolutely. And in that season of waiting and releasing, right? Like opening our hands and saying, all right, God, I'm taking my my hands off the steering wheel, that kind of idea. God is working on humility because yep. pride says, I know the way I supposed to go. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to yep. let you be in charge. You be be Lord. And boy, the, the longer you wait, the more it that pressure squeezes out some of those really bad attitudes, you Absolutely. know, where I'm impatient where I'm controlling, where I'm manipulative, where I'm proud. And and that is, that's such a hard heart. That's, God, God does not want to work on a hard heart. You know, the peaches, Laura, if I just took them immediately from the car to the boiling water that we'll talk about next week, the skin would not come off really well. And when I slice them, I slice my fingers because yeah. the peach is so hard and it's not going to be a sweet, really, really sweet peach. So mm-hmm. that waiting brings out the best in the peach. Mm, I believe absolutely. that this, the waiting brings out the best in us. Amen. Amen. I believe it. And I think that it's interesting too, Deb, because there are very few of us, if we were to ask our listeners or you and me, you know, do you enjoy times of waiting? And I don't know many people who enjoy times of waiting at all. And so it's interesting that the sweetness comes out in a time that we don't necessarily prefer 
But again, it's surrendering our expectations to it and surrendering that time of wait and living it in a way that honors God. Today, we're going to look at two different stories in David's life that he experienced during his waiting. And wow, it was hard to pick out two stories because David did... (laughs) He waited for a very long time. He was in a lot of caves, a lot of wildernesses, a lot of battles. But there are two things, and even as we've gone back and forth um, with the peaches here, when Debbie puts the peaches on the dining room table, she is constantly turning them to keep them from bruising or bumping into one another. And as we go through these different stories here, um, I'm excited to get into God's Word here, and I want us to see... Each of these stories is a turning of the peach, Mm -hmm. right? It's taking David's life. It's turning it to form him inside, to sweeten up or what we might say, prepare him for the kingdom that was that was going to be his someday. It's kind of funny if we're personifying a peach. Can you see my hand coming to the peach? And the peach is like, yes, it's <laughs> time to do something. And all I do is rotate it and leave. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, that's perfect, Debbie, because that's exactly where we're going. Um, the first story that we're going to look at today is in First Samuel 16, right? And it's so interesting because I love what you just said. God allowed, as we go through this story, David to experience the palace before it was even time for him to become king 22 years later. And so we know the story, if you you studied 1 Samuel 16, right after David is anointed, he goes back to the sheep, he's called back out from the wilderness because Saul, the king, um, is being tormented by an evil spirit. And he wants someone who can play the lyre in order to come into the palace and play the music in order to soothe him back to sleep. Now, of course, the Lord always is setting up all of our circumstances. Who already knew how to play the lyre, right? David, because God had already positioned him in that place to become skillful, so skillful that he would be chosen to be the one who comes into the palace. But I love what you just said about the hand. You can almost see David, uh, God's hand reaching down, choosing David, right? Picking up that peach and putting him in the palace, it says that a servant actually recognized David and presented him to the king. And here we have David in the palace, mind you, not because the servant saw the anointing and said, this man certainly will be the next king, but because God had given him and David had practiced the skill in order to get him into the palace to soothe the king that is already there. I mean, can you imagine, Deb? Getting that invitation. Exactly. I'll be like, yes, it's finally exactly. time. Like, it's, I've been called and I'd stand up straighter. This is exactly. my time. I have arrived. Only to find out it wasn't quite like what I thought it was going to be. Exactly. Like you said, there was no precedent. He didn't know exactly how, how do you get rid of a king? Like, yep. what's that transfer look right, like? Right, right. No, there was no book for him to look at. That's right. And it makes me wonder. I mean, you don't really read um, in scripture about how did David respond? You know, mm. was he jumping up and down and, and telling all his friends that this is what's happened? Or was he saying, okay, um, I'll just peacefully move into the next season of my life. It doesn't really tell you. He mm. just obediently went in and he began to be at service. However, Saul would need him. Um, when Saul would be tormented by this evil spirit and he get all anxious David would come and play his music. He, I mean, that's the Psalms. It was what he sang in Psalms. And the Spirit of God, which we know was resting on David, came and 
and silenced those evil spirits that were on Saul, and he was able to be at peace. Saul, you know, he had a big big ego, and so Saul's opinion was, allow him to remain in my service because I am pleased with David. Yeah. And and all right, Saul, have at it. You know, you think that you're all that. (laughs) Actually, God was the one who was pleased because he looked at the heart of David and he saw a heart that he was pleased with. So God is probably up there just going, okay, Saul, you can think that if you want to. Amen. Amen. But actually, I have moved David one step closer to the palace. But if you want to think that way, like... Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. I also love the fact, Deb, that that David was playing liar in the palace, right? Which is exactly what he had done in the fields with the sheep, Mm -hmm. right? So he's doing the exact same thing that he used to do, but he's now doing it in a different place. I mean, think about the emotion that went into that as well and the the newness of that and wondering how that was all supposed to go i wonder what the thoughts were going through david's head in that time too i think there are quite often times when god is transitioning us from one thing to the next that he does utilize those skills that we already have that we've done in one environment and he brings us into another place to use them again but it feels different right again it's another turning of the peach i'm going to use what you know but i'm going to use it in a different place I'm laughing because I'm picturing David, right, in the presence of the king, doing what he had done before, which he was comfortable with. It's just a new environment. But there's another skill that David was using in the palace, and it was his quick agility moves. Mm, yeah, he, exactly. So Saul starts to you know, get jealous, and tur- he just turns on a dime his attitude towards David and now spears are being thrown at exactly. David and how he has to jump out of the way and, and avoid that. And he had to have quick agility moves out there in the field yes. when he had wild animals coming at him. So he had all kinds of skills that were being used in the palace. In his mind, was he sitting there playing music and thinking, gosh, I'm supposed to be the one someone's playing music for? Probably somebody <laughs> with standing Saul and yes, I'm kind yes. of hot over here. And maybe I, maybe I should just let Saul know. Yes. That, that's actually yes, my yes. position. So many times I think God moves us closer to where he wants us to be in that destiny, that calling that is placed on our lives. So we're actually in the position close, but not quite there. And he's mm-hmm. testing us to see, will you jump the gun and mm-hmm. rush ahead? Or will you wait for what I've asked you to do? And we mm-hmm. come back to that five w's that we like to talk about you're abiding in the lord you're doing exactly what god wants you to do um, when you are doing what he wants you to be doing where he wants you to be doing in the way with whom and when and david truly he was where god wanted him to be doing what he what god wanted him to do playing Mm -hmm. the liar not being king in a way he was humble right with whom i mean so you look that little checklist it was not time. The when was not time for him to That's be right. king. That's right. Letting go of expectations and being willing to line up those five W's with exactly where God has you in the waiting. And there you go. W, awaiting oh, is a W. That's right. <laughs> That's the next W. Yeah, I really, I really love that. And I love even taking those five W's and putting them to our own lives personally because 
I wonder, and I know in my own life, I'm always trying to keep my eyes open or my ears open or my heart open to seeing what God might be showing us right around, around our situations. And I think if I was David, I might have had this experience where I was anointed. I was sent back to the sheep and now I've been called into the palace. Like this must be it. Similar to what you were saying about the peach. You know, I probably would have texted my friends and said, it's, (laughs) it's going to be tomorrow. I can't even believe the promise is being fulfilled this quickly because look at what's lining up, right? Right, right. But not all the W's had lined up yet. That's right. The when. That's right. <laughs> the That's when right. wasn't there yet. That's right. And when in David's life, I think it's interesting too because here he, he's in the palace, right? He's in a different position in the palace, but he's in the palace. David has never most likely been in the palace before. It's the first time in the palace after he's just been anointed as king. And he is going to leave the palace at that time. He had to surrender the expectations and surrender the weight and trust that God would bring him back to the palace again. Mm-hmm. That is huge in all of our lives because so many times, and I don't know, maybe we could even think about this in relationships. I'm trying to think of some of the things that maybe I've struggled with in my life you're dating somebody and and you think this is it, you know, this is the one. And then you find out through whatever it might be in the waiting that this is not the one, Mm -hmm. right? And, And you have to, you have to, like you just said, let go, open up your hands and surrender the relationship, surrender the expectations that you had on that relationship. And you have to say, I trust you, God, (laughs) you know, that you are going to bring me this way again. It's a, it's, so many things in our lives we have to trust that all because we're there if it's not it yet that god is going to bring us that way again i had a quite an experience with this personally in 1998 i went to a conference um that was uh, it was very much in the revival uh, up in canada and god just blew the doors off Mm. of my understanding of him it was a powerful encounter with God as a heavenly father. And at that reach, at that conference, he spoke so clearly through, uh, through his word, through worship, through prophetic words, and through just planting seeds deep within me, dreams, and, and just a picture of there's going to come a day where God wanted me uh, speaking in, in, in a, like a larger platform. And he, he planted this in my heart. I didn't share it with anybody and and there were so many confirmations up at this conference through people that didn't even know me from other countries who spoke the very same thing that i had just journaled um, about something that was going to take place in the future and if i tell you that the weekend was a wow that's a really poor description of of how powerfully god moved in my Mm. life now the challenge was i had a five-year-old and a two-year-old so i come home from this conference and we've all been there we come home from a retreat or a conference and you know, you're on this mountaintop and uh, I sat there in the morning on Monday and I'm doing diapers and feeding kids gummy bears and going to t-ball games. And I'm thinking, was that a dream? Like, <laughs> this doesn't feel like what God was showing me. Is there something I'm supposed to be doing to make that happen? Mm. And I heard him just so clearly speak in that quiet time. He said, look, I'm showing you something that's coming but I'm taking you to boot camp. Mm. Your life as a mom is where I've called you to be right now. You are in training camp. Be faithful to use your gifts and to grow and to let me teach you right where you are. 
And your job, number one ministry, is to raise these boys in the Lord. And so he said, yes, I've shown you something that's coming. But he didn't tell me when it would happen. But mm-hmm. he made it very clear, don't race after it. Because if you do, the your ministry right now is your kids. And so be patient, be content, and thrive right where you are. Now, it wasn't too long after that that I had little trips to the palace, right? He opened up an opportunity to begin to preach in a women's prison. Well, that turned into a 20-year run. Wow! I didn't know how long that would be. And it began to open up little doors, retreats, and little speaking things. And Bible study grew. And boy, that Bible study was a training camp for learning about inner healing and and just dealing with areas of bondage. Well, my kids began, you know, as all kids do, they grow. And in my 40s was when God began to put that urge, you know, at that point, it was kind of pushing me um, to go back to Bible college. And at that point, I felt like he was saying that season is coming. You know, your kids are now out of the house. Uh, After the last couple of years, we became empty nesters. And and, he, and now that year of transition that we talked about last year was like returning to the palace. Yeah. And, and presently now, I'm in, I believe, the season that God began to speak to my heart in 1998. Wow. So it was like 22 years later. Wow. Years, kind of like David, right? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> and so while you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. That's right. You're you're waiting and you're being obedient and being faithful where you are. That's what David did. That's he right. was whether he's hiding in a cave or or playing a liar or dodging, you know, arrows. That's he right. was being faithful to what God was calling him to do in that in that time. And that's not easy. That place of waiting, he's not laying around eating grapes. I mean, he's a battlefield. Exactly. Exactly. When I think of the last twenty years, there were a lot of battles in there and God kept handing me new kinds of swords. And I'm going to teach you how to use this sword. I'm going to teach you how to use this this shield of faith in a new way. And so I think if if I had jumped right into what I thought God was showing me at that age, I would have gotten destroyed. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm it's thankful so for the time of waiting. It was it was a it was not only a time of softening me, but strengthening me. Yep, yep. Amen, amen. I do, I do. Uh see that in David's life in so many of the places that he was in. I think also uh, putting him in the palace with Saul, I wonder if years later he would remember what it was like to be in the palace with a king on the throne who was not honoring God mm-hmm. and really did that shape his desire to make sure that his steps aligned with the principles of God as well. You know, sometimes we can see we can see what we don't want to do right uh, when we're in those places when it's time for our uh when's the appointed time for us to come into that place as well so yeah david definitely did not just sit in the fields and do nothing during his time of waiting we know those 22 years were tough um all the way from playing music for the king and having swords thrown at him which must have been um a very different experience for David when he came into the palace. But now the second story we're going to look at really is is right after that. It's on the battlefield with Goliath. And it's ironic. We find him back in the palace, right, trying on Saul's armor. And this is one of those places, Debbie, as obviously is the, the story where he was in the palace for the first time. But there are so many opportunities in this story um, for bruising. Mm-hmm. 
for his soul to be hurt, for his mind to play, you know, games with him, for him to believe things that were not true about what God said. There were a lot of opportunities for him um, in his relationship with his brothers at this time as we go through this story. It's interesting that God keeps turning David because there are so many opportunities for David to go uh, become damaged in this time. But instead, in that turning, David just continues to grow stronger. You know, we see him trying on Saul's armor, right? We know that story before he goes out to Goliath. They're saying, who's going to go? David, it ends up being him. And Saul immediately thinks, well, you need my armor. And I also, you know, we know that he didn't want the armor. He knew what God had called him to do. But if he wasn't standing on the truth of what God had told him to do and the the tools that God had given him for this battle, it would have been easy for him to say, I I don't even fit in a king's clothes. I don't even fit in a king's armor. How, God, are you going to use me on a battlefield of any kind for your people when I can't even put on one suit of armor and go out to fight a giant? But instead, he he trusts in what God says, and he takes the weapons that God has given him, and he he goes out to fight those battles. Uh, You know, standing in front of Goliath, certainly anybody would have seen this young, small boy with only a sling and some stones come up against the giant, the enemy that had scared the entire nation of Israel to the point where it was frozen. This was David's time of waiting. During our times of waiting, are we in that position where, I mean, literally, what's the enemy saying to us too? Like, who do you think you are? You think you're the one that God's called to do X, Y, or Z? You know, those those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts, they're real. They're real. They're the insecurities that we struggle with. These are the things that can all keep us down unless we surrender, like you were talking about what other people say to us or speak into us. Man, sometimes the battle that's going on in the mind is even stronger than the battle that's going on around us. Because if David had started to believe what he was hearing, he wouldn't have taken those first steps to find those stones to go out toward the giant. I think one of the important things I take away from David is, I mean, today when I read his Psalms is his ability to be intimate with God. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he had such a love relationship with God. He knew he was his protector. I mean, think of Psalm 23. He was so confident that he knew how to hear God's voice because frankly, he spent how many countless hours with just sheep and God. So he really knew what the voice of God sounded like. And for us, when we are too busy, when we don't take that time to learn how to recognize God's voice amidst all the other voices that are speaking to us, whether it's the world that's speaking to us, our peers, or the enemy will speak to a Christian, as well as our flesh that tries to tell us you know, a message in itself, we need to be able to distinguish God's voice because I think that keeps us in the direction that God wants us to go. It does, hearing God's voice is that place of abiding. It allows us to do exactly what he's called us to do when he has the five W's, right? When and the way and with whom. And and so I think David really, he got a handle on that, but the preparation for that was in that lowly position of being a shepherd. Amen. And so he was able to distinguish the voice of God speaking to him on that battlefield with Goliath you know, and he he didn't have to worry about relying on uh, an army. He didn't rely on having the right equipment. He just 
had to rely on the fact that God was with them and God was going to take down Goliath because that was the message he was listening to. So what a takeaway for us too, when we're waiting and, you know, when you start waiting for a little while, you kind of want to gather some information from other people. What's their <laughs> opinion? And maybe somebody yes. will just tell me it's okay to start moving. We need to really go into our, our waiting times knowing how to hear his voice. And if, you know, if you're listening today and you don't know how to hear his voice, well, it's a good time to start anytime you're hearing this. That's right. But, you know, it's it's better than waiting to, for another week. But there's a lot of good resources out there about how to discern the voice of God. But what a what a powerfully important tool for weathering the waiting time. You know, if I was that little personified peach and and I came out, I came into my dining room and I'm going to turn to peach and I said, "Hang in there." You're doing, you're doing great. Right. You're, you're sweetening up. I haven't abandoned you. In fact, you think I'm ignoring you, but I'm actually carefully watching you. Yes. You yes. know, and the peach would be like, oh, okay, I can wait another day. Yes. You know, that's what happens in the times of waiting. God is looking to encourage us and speak to us in that time of waiting. But if we're not listening, because we're listening to everybody else, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the encouragement that honestly gives you that strength to persevere and wait a little bit more. Amen. So true. So true. You know, waiting being an active uh, wait, right? It's not a a wait where nothing is going on. A wait is active for us as Christians. I think even those quiet times, even before he was anointed, I wonder how often David looked back on his journey and said, every, well, he is the one, right? Who said in every single one of your days has been numbered for me, right? You knew me before and, and, and you know me beyond. How interesting that he would have looked back in the fields and said, oh, thank you for those quiet moments with the sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you. You know, you look back at your time with your boys. Thank you for those years raising right. my boys. I heard your voice so clearly, and it shaped me to be who I am today. That's really awesome. The peaches cannot see what's happening on the inside in their right. quiet time, you know, and neither can we. And I think that's really, I mean, what is faith, right? Faith is when we can't see right but we but we continue to believe and we hope for and it's the evidence of what's not seen so even in those times where we feel like nothing is happening or battles are happening or things are trying to keep us from getting to what god has promised we can give thanks in all circumstances because he is changing us on the inside in order to affect us for his glory I just had a, a thought, Laura. It's not even something I, I was prepared to share about, but I was thinking about these peaches. To look at the peaches, they don't look softer. Hmm. But I would physically go and just give them a gentle squeeze. Hmm. And it's when I can feel them softening because I have to squeeze them. I can't just look at them. When they squeeze and they don't resist. Mm, wow. That, yeah, seriously. Isn't that cool? That That's when I know that they're ready. And so from the outside... You know, God, well, first of all, God knows what we're like on the inside, but we often don't realize how much we've changed in the waiting until a little moment comes that puts pressure on us, right? The squeeze and we're going, oh God, what, I'm just trusting you in the moment versus, hey, back Absolutely. off. Yep. It's our reaction, are we hard or have we softened? And we wow. know that until we react differently Wow. to pressure. Wow. Yes. Like, gosh, that used to like blow a gasket. Now I don't. <laughs> now I'm just running to God saying, this is tough. That's a big, I love it. That's, a, that's so fun. I love when God just gives you something 
even newer. Yeah, I love that too. And I, I, it also makes me uh, want to make sure that on those times where I'm feeling that gentle squeeze from the Lord, <laughs> that I'm showing, okay, Lord, I'm changing, you know, on the inside, I'm changing, I'm, I'm ready to roll. So God has got it. You know, he gives each one of us promises, whatever they might look like. I love the promise that God gave to you. And, and I'm just thinking about um, my life, my journey, and, and I'm sure some of our listeners, there are people in our lives that we have prayed uh, for many, many, many years that they would come to know the Lord, you know, and I, I know in my life as, as I look at, at some of these, uh, people that I have loved, still love waiting for that day when they surrender everything to Jesus, right. And make him the Lord of their lives. We can look at it from, uh, I know, uh, prodigal children. It's just a, it's a, a hurt, a deep, deep wound for a mom and a dad to have a child who's not following Jesus. And then for, you know, many of us, we have uh, loved ones, parents who have never made that commitment to the Lord and just aren't seeing things. You know, it's one of those things like no matter what you say, it's just not it's not cutting through. Um, you know, when I was in fifth grade, uh, I, I had a, I talk about my dad a lot. I had a great dad. But when I was in fifth grade, you know, he still wasn't serving Jesus. And it was that year. I remember my fifth grade teacher at the Christian Academy encouraged each of us to start having a, a time every day where we read God's word and we prayed. And I will never forget the first time I did it. I went up to my bed, got out my Bible right before I went to bed, and I just opened it up and, and started to read God's word and um, started to pray. My first pray, prayer was from my dad. My mom has always loved Jesus, and I, you know, my dad wasn't necessarily um, a place where I knew he was a believer. And so I started praying for my dad um, that night in fifth grade, Debbie, and that whole, that's also just shaped and formed a, uh, a habit or a lifestyle for me. Maybe it's not even a habit. It's just who I am that every day I, I spend that time with the Lord and I, I pray and I read the word. But I'll never forget fifth grade praying for my dad and sixth grade praying for my dad and seventh grade praying for my dad. And fast forward in college, I'm still praying for my dad, you know, and I'm not seeing every once in a while, I thought I would see a little glimmer, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't what I was expecting. And, um, when I, I remember literally driving Emily to school and we would pray every morning on the way to Wilmington Christian School. And I remember every day praying for my dad. So now I'm what, 35 years old and I'm still praying for my dad at that point. It wasn't until I was 42 years old and it was just a few days before my dad died that my dad told me that he had accepted Jesus as his savior. Mm. That was a very long time, a long time of waiting. You know, fifth grade, what's that, 10, uh, 11 maybe, up until the time I was 42. But I think it was uh, about surrendering. Like I just said, no matter what I said or what I did, it wasn't going to shape or change the, the outcome. It was only what the Holy Spirit would do on the inside of them. So really surrendering that expectation on what that answer to that prayer was going to look like. There are other prayers that I have prayed, and I know God has given me specific words, that will come to pass. Because can I tell you, my grandmother before me prayed for my dad. Hmm. She didn't see the fulfillment here on earth, but she's seeing the fulfillment now. Right, right. You know, so I think our perspective also has to be that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. We have to surrender the weight and continue to be faithful in what he's called us to do. Um, I look back and when, when people talk about others that they love and that they're waiting on it, and maybe someone out there listening right now has a parent or a child 
and and you've been waiting for a very long time you keep on praying That's you keep right. on waiting you keep having your eyes focused above and take your expectations off how you think god is going to write the rest of this story because you can trust him with the cry of your heart and there are plenty of promises in scripture that he's faithful to do what he said he's going to do and we can leave the result to him I rejoice when I think about my dad you know, and his passing. Of course, I, I, I grieve it, but I rejoice in the fact that I know that I heard with my own ears and I know where he is right now. It's a lot of prayer. You know, especially with a prodigal or just somebody who has just resisted, right? They're not like flat off running away. They're just resisting. Yep. This is that idea of taking your hands off the control. It, your motive could be absolutely right, right? Mm-hmm. You want to see somebody come to Christ. You want to know they'll be in heaven one day with you. And so you would say, well, these are godly desires. But if you're if you're in the shoes of the other person, the one who's resisting, the one who's running, are you more inclined to run towards faith, towards a relationship with God, if somebody is standing there with a stick going, I told you this is what you were supposed to do. Yep. You know, I, I people don't want to come to Christ to make you happy. And so if you're constantly harping on it and That's nagging right. and, you know, all the different things we justify that we do that really are, they just push people away the waiting that's aggressive, right? That does not draw somebody back to Christ. It's when yes. you take your hands off. Remember when I said when you're gripping something so hard, your whole body is tense. It's like a tug of war. There's not any piece of relaxing feeling yep. around somebody in a tug of war. And that kind of tension yep. in a relationship drives people further away. That's right. And I remember, I remember someone saying to me that, they said, Debbie, you know, the reason why I finally came back to Christ this was someone in the family was because I couldn't fight you, mm-hmm. but I could, I, I, I could fight you, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I could not mm-hmm. fight God. Mm-hmm. Let him do the battle. Let him do the battle. And what am I doing in the waiting? I am loving. I am serving. Yep. And I'm praying. Yep. I'm putting all that out there, yep. putting it all in the field, right? Leave it all there. God, it's your battle. That's what David said. You know, I have come with you a sling and stone and in the name of the Lord today, you will die Amen. because God's fighting. And so what are we doing? What's our sling and our stone? We can serve. We can love. That's right. We can encourage and we can pray and let God do what God does best, which is he is the one that changed our hearts. He's going to go after the changing of their hearts. But we have Amen. to be faithful in the wait. We Amen. have to be faithful to surrender in the wait. And it will be a battle at different times. But remember, if you try to wait on your own strength, you will fail. If you wait with the power of the Spirit, which is what David had, he had the power of the Spirit resting on him, you will wait successfully and you will become stronger and more sweet, more humble, and more pliable in God's hands where he could use you to make what we call the the liquid gold, you know, of the peaches. It's worth that wait. Yes. You know, just as we wrap up, it just because this is August and we're actually recording this at the very end of June. And presently, you and I were just discussing about there are all the other things that are coming out in the news about, oh, maybe COVID is resurfacing even more. And we were kind of laughing about, I wonder what August will look like, <laughs> you know, and we really, I don't know about you, but I was kind of hoping that maybe by September we could kind of go back to a new normal, whatever it is. But 
you know, maybe I could eat at a restaurant. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. maybe I could just do that, right? And, or go to church. Things that I was, re- I'm hoping, I am presently hoping that these things turn around by September. But the news is changing a little bit. And again, it's almost like God's saying, all right, keep waiting, keep waiting. And so yeah. for us as a nation and as a, really as a, a, a globe, you know, all these different countries, we are all in a season of waiting where we don't know what the end result is going to look like. And so let's be faithful in this waiting to do what God has called us to do right now, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you can do that whether you are eating at a restaurant or eating in your house for the three millionth meal in the row. <laughs> let's be let's be pay, let's be faithful in the waiting and grow because God is absolutely showing where there's areas of impatience and control and manipulation and let's not go there. Let's let's really be like David, be faithful and keep our eyes on the one who sees the end from the beginning. So, or so I don't know about you, but this is so fun with this the peaches and David. I'm excited for next week's podcast. Uh, we're going to be focusing on, wow, the heat gets turned up, not only on the peaches, but for David and as well, we can talk about when the heat has and the cutting, right? The cutting of away of the bruised spots, the damaged places, the cutting away of really fleshy attitudes, mm, right? Mm. Sinful habits that we have. And, and that is a necessary step. Um, not only in the peaches, because who wants to have these peaches over their ice cream that have these big clunks of like, like brown looking peaches in there, right? That's, we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> and so for our lives too, God doesn't want a believer walking around with all this really unhealthy, sinful places. And so we hope that you have learned a lot today and enjoyed the journey with us. Um, we look forward to having you come back next week on Beyond the Building with Laura Perino and Debbie Kiever as we talk about the heat getting turned up and how that applies to our lives. So thanks so much for joining us today. We love you. We pray for you. And we look forward to seeing your peach pictures in our Facebook on our Facebook page and testimonies of how God is using what you're hearing, what he's teaching you. We'd love to hear you share with us at the Beyond Women's Conference page. You can go to um, just on our page and go ahead and tell us what God is speaking to your hearts. You can email us. We are in this journey with you together. So thanks for joining us. We love you. God bless you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more. 